If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primo's. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. From the nation's capital... This is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. listening to the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. This is episode 196. I want to give a big thanks to Oyster Mike from Sapidus Farms. He came out and shucked oysters for several hours at our St. Patrick's Day party over the weekend. It was a huge hit. And having somebody shuck oysters at your own party, it's pretty darn cool. And if you want to have Mike come out and do a private party, if you're in the D.C. metro area, HappyOysters.com. We're going to start this podcast off with an interview with Mike out in Alberta, Canada. He's trying to sell a private property that is pretty amazing. It's got some good fishing on it. It's got some good wildlife. And we're going to try and help him sell it. After that, and bear with me, he is in Canada over Skype. So the audio is not the greatest. Then I'm going to go into some of my thoughts on what a client could do to better prepare themselves and myself for a trip before they hire a guide like me. So let's get into it. This is 196. And after this, it's going to be my live presentation from Orvis Tyson's on fly fishing for shad. All right, we're going to talk with Mike today from Alberta, Canada, about his fly fishing paradise amongst seven world-class trout rivers. And Mike is trying to sell his property. So let's talk about the history of the property and, and where it is. Sounds good, Rob. Thanks a lot for giving me an opportunity to tell your audience about what we call fly fishing paradise amid seven world-class trout rivers. The history of the property and the location are, are actually quite unique. The property is located at a fording point along the Pioneer Wagon Route and Cattle Route between Montana and Calgary, Alberta. The land has never been broken, and back in the 1950s and 60s, various politicians and celebrities 
King Cosby among them, to hunt in the area for grizzly, elk, mule deer, and fly fish for trout, including bull trout, which I believe you call cutthroat. Located uh, no, two different species. I love fishing for bulls, though. They're aggressive. Okay. Good point. Located <laughs> where, Basically located where buffalo country meets the Rocky Mountains. So it's an area that was the domain of the Blood Nation of the Blackfoot Confederacy. And there are a couple of historic buffalo jumps right in the immediate vicinity, one right on the property. The, the local topography and geography of the River Valley kind of resembles the Little Bighorn, if, for those that know that area. What exactly is a buffalo jump? Before natives were able to get horses from the Spaniards in the 16 and 1700s, the most effective way of putting away a, a winter's harvest of meat was by running them off of a cliff. Okay, I wasn't so sure. About yeah, a kilometer that's... away, we have a 160-foot cliff wow. that's uh, the historic buffalo jump. Talk about tenderizing your meat. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so where's the location again? So it's basically located in the foothills of Alberta, about 10 kilometers from the from the Waterton Range, the Rocky Mountains. So the river is about 25 miles north of the Montana-Alberta border, just south of Pincher Creek, Alberta, and a few miles east of the British Columbia border. Okay. So in terms of accessing it, it's easily accessed by road either from Montana or via Calgary International Airport and uh, numerous other regional or even local airports right across the river, gravel landing strip and the type. It's basically 10.3 surveyed acres, over 1,300 feet, about a quarter mile of river frontage with sweeping views of the river valley and the Rocky Mountains. My goodness. And how did you come across this property? Well, 15 or 16 years ago, my wife Terry and I were looking for something that we could develop, and we wanted to leave the big city. It was getting a little bit crowded, and our kids had grown up. And we uh, we spent about a week checking out 34 or 35 properties south of Alberta, close to Montana and British Columbia, uh, basically in the mountains and in the foothills. And we found this one, and uh, immediately knew after checking a dozen or so that this was likely the one. Fantastic. All right, let's talk about the Waterton River first. Sure, absolutely. The Waterton is a well-kept secret because basically very few people actually get to fly fish on it. It's, it's a glacier-fed river with basically unobstructed waters that originate in Montana's Glacier National Park and Canada's Waterton Lakes National Park. It's prime water for browns, rainbows, brook trout, bull trout. It's only a short drive from six other world-class, what we call blue ribbon trout rivers. So the Old Man River, the Castle, the Crow's Nest, the Livingstone River, the Belly River, and the St. Mary. Okay, let's talk about access to the rivers and what fishing is available, as our audience are anglers. Most of the other rivers that I just mentioned are, are open to the public. The Waterton is, is unique because pretty well all of the adjacent lands are privately owned or else owned by, by institutions. There's very limited public access, so you can't really get onto the river without permission from private landowners. So as a consequence, there's, there's really minimal fly-fetching pressure. In, in a year, we might see six, maybe seven parties float down the river between the middle of June and mid-October, let's say. Wow. Between That's very unfished water. You know, add another half dozen waders, of which one of them is the neighbor when he gets his boots out, and uh, base, basically underfish. Between, between our property and the park gate, I, I you know estimated that there's about 20 kilometers of basically pristine fly fishing habitat 
and uh, that traverses a UNESCO biosphere reserve and lands that are managed by the Nature Conservancy of Canada. So the, the landowners aren't about to change soon, and we're not going to see any casino or condo developments anytime in the next century with that, with that kind of ownership. That's fantastic. It's basically located between two big bodies of water, the Waterton Reservoir to the northeast of us and the Waterton Lakes, which are in the National Park. So there are plenty of still water fly fishing opportunities only minutes away from, from this Riverside property. Amazing. What can we find on the properties? Are there buildings? Are there uh, facilities and amenities? Yeah, good question. The, uh, so basically, we bought the property as raw land back in 2003, and we've developed it. We've basically been the developers ourselves, subcontracted out all of the building work, obviously. But there's a main lodge which is a custom-designed, handcrafted, uh, raised bungalow. And the logs are massive timber logs. There's about 2,200 square feet of interior living space, finished space, with another 1,200 square feet of covered decks that overlook, you know, with panoramic views of the river valley and the mountains. There are many extras. There's a fire suppression system, a commercial one, commercial security system, backup electrical system, large unfinished walkout basement. The whole situation with the water resources and the wind and the solar opportunity here would lend itself very well to someone who wanted an off-grid situation or just to continue looked up on the grid as it is. The other, the other structures include a, a square timber guest house. So there's two custom-designed luxury suites with a large covered deck that overlooks the river valley. The guest house in each of the suites, there's two queen-size beds for a total of four. So you can accommodate up to, up to eight guests depending what their situation is. Uh, in addition, there's a, an oversized, a large shopping garage, a bunkhouse, uh, a double kennel for guests with dogs, and a riverside tent frame camp, which is basically a, plat a 12 by 14 platform with half walls and a tarp up. And that's where people who want to spend time right at Riverside or guides could spend time if uh, if they were, you know, bringing people onto the river. So if one of the listeners does end up purchasing this property, I know there's a place for me to stay when they invite me out. Hopefully they'll let us both use it once in a while. Yeah. All right, so what other opportunities? If you're not going to be angling, maybe if you're going out with a – if your family's buying this, what could the other family members do if they're not going to be fishing? For people who are, are looking at saying, fine, I could, I could be on the river three, four months of the year or have a river-based business. Beyond that, though, just looking out over the last several days, and today we have 20-plus new gear on the property, uh, moose and elk are wintering minutes away, my wife frequently gets shots of moose when she's out fairly early in the morning. The, uh, the reservoir, the Waterton Reservoir and the grain fields around it attract thousands of geese and migratory waterfowl and the fowl. And they're basically there from, in the fall I should say, they're basically there from harvest time until freeze up. And there's a, a number of upland bird species, among them grouse and pheasant, nesting in the area, often right on the property itself in terms of grouse. Uh, we're basically located in what we call a wild ma wildlife management unit. So our province, which is like a state, would have the province broken up into various units. We're in wildlife management unit 300, near four other units, 108, 110, 302, and 400. Okay. So the city is, is visited by grizzly, by black bear. We get an abundance of mule deer and, and white-tailed deer. Um, occasionally, if, if, you're, if you're sharp, you might catch sight of a cougar. We uh -oh. uh, follow the deer kind of thing, but we've never actually had anything to have us concerned about for you very seldom we see them. 
ranchers uh, welcome coyote hunters and gopher snipers with open arms. So there's really a, a wide range of things that could be done from this, this location, Rob. All right. And if somebody wants to turn this from family... Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Property to maybe a small business, how would that go about? Well, the way, the way we've been operating it, Terry has, has a, a luxury guest house, a square timber guest house that I've mentioned. And she's booked solid, basically, with, with the tourist season between early June and, and mid-October. So located, you know, so close to Glacier National Park and Waterton Lakes, which hosts about between them 1.4 million or more visitors a year, um, she's able to basically gross about 10000 a month for during that season, basically hosting park visitors. And we've noticed over the last five, six years, there, there are a number of repeat guests that are anglers that are basically here to fish the waters. They're not here to tour the park or the hike. They're basically to stay riverside with access to a river that is underfished or fished at all. The, uh, the beauty of this is that if an outfitter or some, some owner wanted to invest in the property, you could basically transition out of the tourist uh, revenue towards a full, a full fly fishing or a full uh, outdoor-based business with having some cushion there as you started up your outdoor activities or your fly fishing activities. You can continue to book tourists until you're at capacity. Um, be quite a bit more lucrative guiding fly fishermen and accommodating them as opposed to tourists. So having right. said that, it seems like a logical transition. So who would be your, your target audience uh, for a prospective buyer? Well, we, really we're looking at, I guess, a, a variety. We're looking at basically clubs, individuals, high net worth individuals, clubs, uh, small corporations, outfitting companies that don't have a presence in this part of uh, North America. Um, typically someone along there. One of the, the key things about this is that in Alberta, it's, uh, there's regulations that basically prevent agricultural land from being purchased by foreigners. You have to be a citizen. And pretty well, all of the river, riverside property around here is rather ranch land or agricultural or, or private reserve. So this is one of the very few properties that's zoned uh, estate or rural estate residential. That being said, there are no restrictions on it. Someone from the United States or any part of Canada or from overseas could acquire this without any meeting any particular standard of ownership. Okay. Fantastic. If somebody's interested, how can they see the property, contact you, start talking offers? Um, basically, we, we've gone ahead and we've posted some information or a short clip on, on YouTube. Uh, if people want to access that link, it's called Trout H2O. So like Trout H2O, like in the chemical designation for water. And that's right on YouTube and it shows a a good view of the river and the property itself. I have a, a variety of uh, other information. We have a digital file with pictures and facts. We have a video tour of the buildings and the residents and that. So 
even variety, it's probably the easiest thing to do would be either to contact you yourself, Rob, or myself directly at uh, by telephone at area code 403-627-2999. And uh, we could then make sure that they get whatever information they need and discuss pricing for those that want details. Fantastic. I will hope we get some interest uh, through this podcast. Sure. I think, uh, I think really one of the key things, apart from, you know, the unique nature of the property is, is that the Canadian dollar has been pretty weak now ever since energy prices collapsed three, four years ago. So a property that would sell in the range of $3 million, slightly under Canadian, would be available for, you know, under $2.5 million Canadian, basically the price of an upscale condo in, in, a, in a larger U.S. city. Or a small house here in D.C. Yeah, absolutely. Your right. dollar goes a lot farther in, in, in fly country, Alberta, than it does, in uh, I guess, on the eastern seaboard. Absolutely. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for speaking with me today, and hopefully we can find somebody that will invite us back there to fish with them. Well, thanks for the opportunity to communicate with your audience, Rob, and I wish you well today. Many thanks. Okay, signing off. Thank All right, you. bye. Bye-bye. You still there? I am indeed. All right, that works. I'll get this to my producer, and he'll see how the sound is. And hopefully Perfect. it'll work, and we'll have this as the first part to my next podcast, which should Perfect. go out next Monday. I'll be in touch with you after the podcast comes up, and uh, I'll, I'll let you know about a Dropbox that I'm setting up with basically all the information that I referred to. Okay, I'll have the links on the, the podcast pages when it goes up. Sounds good. Take all care. Right, take care. Have a good day. Yeah, bye now. Bye. All right, let's get to the meat and potatoes of the podcast. These are all from personal experiences with clients over the years. I've seen some crazy stuff, and I also made a list of some general things that have happened repeatedly. I don't know if you're ever going to hire a guide. You might not. If you do hire guides, these are just some of the things that I want my clients to think about, and in no way do I want people to expect all of these to be on their responsibility. These are just some things I want you as a potential client or my client to think about before you arrive. Again, you may not be my only client of the day, especially now during the shad season. I'm booking trips from 9 to 10, 10 to 12, 12 to 4, 4 to 7. I'm going to be out there all day. And if the first client is late or something happens, it's going to be like a doctor's office. It's going to bump everyone else's schedules. And we're all on pretty tight schedules down here. And I'd like to keep everything flowing smoothly throughout the day so I can get everybody in on those days. Also, I just might have something two or three hours after we're scheduled. So if there's a major delay and I need to get somewhere to pick up my kid from school, a doctor's appointment. Maybe I've got to take my parents to the doctor or I have to be at their house if they're out of town to pick up a delivery. I don't know. But there are other places that I need to be. And if we're, we're all late in the morning for some reason or delayed and things build up, it's going to mess up a lot of people's schedules. This is uh, more than just guided trips and instruction. They're a lot of people's lives involved, whether you think about that or not. If you are a client of mine and we've never met before, look up my picture online. Look at it on social media. Just Google me. You hired me 
and you need to recognize me. I end up waving to every random person that pulls into the parking lot. People might be going for a walk or fishing for themselves. I don't know. I end up waving to a lot of strangers, and it looks very awkward sometimes when people just get out of the car, and I don't know if it's them, especially if they pull into a parking lot. And if they wave at me, I usually know that's my client. You can usually tell by what they're wearing in their car, maybe some fish stickers. But there are a lot of people that I end up saying hi to, and they are not the people I'm meeting. This happened with Groupon years ago. I was down shad fishing, and to hold my spot, I just had clients come down and meet me. And this couple showed up about an hour early, and they were about 100 feet away just sitting on rocks, picnicking with day packs on. And at that time of the year, there are loads of people that walk from Chain Bridge down to Roosevelt Island and back. It's a several-mile walk along the Potomac Heritage Trail. I didn't know they were my clients at all, and they never said anything to me. I waved at them once, and they never said anything back or waved back. And then all of a sudden, they start getting pissed at me and blew up at me, and they ended up taking off and didn't even fish. They were so pissed that I didn't know that they were my clients amongst all the other random people hiking, fishing, hanging out, sightseeing, bird watching. Just one of the examples. I want you to be punctual when you show up for a guided trip. Being on time is being five minutes early. I learned that from a gentleman named Arye Gluck. He was a runner for the Israeli Olympics back in the day. Amazing story. But Arye always told us that being on time was being five minutes early. And if you're going to be late, give me a call. If you don't have my number, just Google me. It's on my website. It's easy to find. I try to get all of my clients' numbers when we meet up online. So when you initially contact me, I ask you to fill out a form. And that gives me everything I need to know. And if you don't fill that out and answer it, then I've got to put these questions out. So maybe you'll listen to it ahead of time. Arrive hydrated. Push plenty of fluids the night before, the morning before, the afternoon before you get to me. I want you to be hydrated. I've had people sway around in the boat when it's 100 degrees outside because we're not in the shade and the wind is going to blow all the moisture off you. You may get overheated. There's some places where you cannot jump in the water to cool off. So please bring plenty of fluids. Bring more fluids when you do arrive than you think you need. One of the best things I think a client can do when it's an instructing trip is to have a written down list of questions that they want me to answer for them. If they've got questions about shad fishing or a vacation they're going or questions about flies or the dynamics of casting, write all of that down before you get to me. I had a client recently, Brad, he's getting ready to go to Kamchatka. So we're going to have to do an interview with him when he returns. Brad gets out of his car and he says, I need to learn how to double haul today. I was like, boom, there we go. He said, I don't care about the fish. Don't care about catching them. I just want to learn how to double haul. So I showed him the stream so he can come back, and we started working on casting, and he was bombing out line within an hour, within a couple of minutes of doing the, as you would say by um, Mel Krieger. He was getting the wump wump down. Have a list of questions. Send it to me in advance. Have it typed up so I can read. Don't have to worry about reading your handwriting. I'm there to be at your service. So if you don't ask questions, I can't help you become a better or more knowledgeable angler if you don't give me the means to do so. If you're not a talker, let me know. I won't be pestering you with talking 
it's not just small talk, just historical information about where we're fishing, the types of fishing. I'm going to be noticing things in nature. If you don't want to, you know, I'm not going to be offended if you give me the hand. If you just put the hand up, be like, uh-uh. I can tell some clients are just that type of introverted person, and I will lay off the conversing with them. Let's talk about your colon. A lot of people know their bowel schedule. So if you know you're an AM, BM, don't show up and then decide that you've got to go take a 30-minute morning download at McDonald's. You're there to fish. I'm getting paid. I don't really necessarily care if I get paid while you're taking a dump, but I'd rather get paid to take you fishing, not sitting in the parking lot, just rigging gear and cleaning my car out while you run down the street and come back. I did have a client, and the quote, I believe, was, and this kid was 12, 11 or 12, quote, is there a Starbucks near here? I got to go take a massive dump. And I sat there while his mom drove him up to Starbucks, and he came back 15 to 20 minutes later. It was a two-hour trip, so he spent most of it in the bathroom. Make sure you can do that stuff ahead of time. Don't be focused on your morning coffee. When we get there... Sipping your morning coffee and enjoying it, that's not the priority. The priority is suiting up, getting down to our spot, and fishing for the allotted amount of time you signed up for. We're not there for you to enjoy your mochaccino, latte, grande, whatever. Eat before you get there, too. When you get to the parking lot, we're not there for you to open up a takeout container and start eating whatever you brought. Suiting up time is when you, before I get there, actually, you should be there ready to go when I arrive. Again, five minutes early. Suiting up time is not time to be filling your belly. And I don't want to stop so you can get a burrito when we're urban fishing. I know everyone's got to eat, but eat beforehand. If we stop at Chipotle, the time it takes you to order that, for them to make it, and for you to eat it, is time that we're not fishing. Again, you signed up for a certain our time. It's at 10 to 12 or 12 to 4. Whatever that is, you're going to waste that time by eating. Eat beforehand or eat while we're walking to spots or bring it with you prepared, but don't waste our time by going somewhere and having them make food for you. Dress properly. Be prepared for the sun, for the cold, for the wind, for the rain. If we're out on the boat, For an open place like Four Mile Run, the wind is going to be greater than at other places where we are less exposed. Layer, layer, layer. You can always take stuff off. There's room on shore. There is room in the boat. Wherever we are, you can always take off a sweatshirt or an extra pair of rain pants or whatever you have, hats, and stash it. If we're on shore or in the boat, I've usually got bags of stuff. If we are waiting somewhere... We can just tie your sweatshirt to a tree and no one's going to bother it. Wear proper footwear. If I say we're going to be fishing on rocky shores and I want you in waders or hiking boots, don't show up in flip-flops. One of my first trips with Groupon, we were wet wading and a guy broke his big toenail off. I said, don't bring open-toed shoes and he wore flip-flops. And that was the result. It was pretty gross. If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language. And knows it will. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt. And nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. 
Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primos. And if I tell you what to wear, please be dressed. I know what you're supposed to wear based on experience of going to these spots. So I know when I say you can be barefoot or flip-flops in the boat, but don't bring studded boots in the boat. I'll provide you with non-studded boots or if it's 80 degrees and sunny, you don't need waders to go in a boat. Have waders on when you get there. If Just show up early. And with traffic here, everybody knows you got to leave a little bit earlier. Shoot, put your waders on before you even get in the car and drive in your waders, especially in the wintertime. If mine are stored outside, I don't like getting to the river and putting on frozen waders. I usually bring them in the house first, put them on, and then step outside, put my wading boots on, and head to the car. If you're borrowing waders from me, please bring a clean pair of socks. I will be bringing clean socks for you. They may not fit, and they may be a different diameter than you're used to with the shoe size that you have. Be well-rested. Please do not have a hangover. Please get a good night's sleep. Don't go to bed at 3 a.m. for a 9 a.m. meetup. I'm going to work you anywhere from 2 to 9 to 10 hours. If we're on a boat, you're going to be casting every 3 feet for the entire time that we're out there. If we're on shore, you may be roll casting from anywhere from 2 to 8 hours. I am going to put you to work. We may be wet wading somewhere or shore walking. That's going to require... You know, a lot of walking, and if you're hungover and not doing well, it's going to punish you, and that's going to ruin my day as well. So think about some of the things you do the night before. If you haven't listened to the podcast about what I do the night before, eat a big meal, pound fluids, get a good night's sleep. Don't have gear that has not been unwrapped yet. If you've never tried on your waders and you have to open a cardboard box and unpack them and then string up your waiter belt and put the straps on, I'm just going to be sitting there scratching my head and looking around while I'm assembling your gear with you because I've done it before and they probably haven't. Figure that stuff out before you get to the parking lot. Leave the booze at home. Don't booze before you get there. Don't bring booze while we're out there. I don't know your tolerance. You could be like our friend LTD in high school, Low Tolerance Dan. The guy was six foot two, and if he had one beer, he would be slobbering drunk. I don't know what type of drunk you are. I don't know what it's going to do to you. And we frankly don't need that liability issue. Leave it at home. Go get a six-year on the way home and have a cold one when you get home. That's what I do. I leave, I get a Slurpee and maybe a six-pack at 7-Eleven and then head home and pull off my waders and put my feet up and can chill out a bit. It's not something we do when we're fishing. If you plan on smoking during the trip, bring something for your cigarette butts to go in. My cup holders in the drift boat, those are not made for cigarette butts. The shoreline where we're fishing, that's not made for cigarette butts. The water we're fishing, that's not made for cigarette butts. The number one litter item people pick up on beaches is cigarette butts. We're trying to keep them out of the water. We also know fish will eat them, so don't kill the fish we're trying to catch. Some people bring a Ziploc bag to put them in, whatever. Just have something for your cigarette butts. Don't bring a picnic lunch for a two- to three-hour trip. Like I said, you're going to be casting nonstop. There really isn't time for you to sit down and take a break. Don't waste your paid time assembling some meal when you should be fishing. If it's a four to eight hour trip, there's a little bit more time, a little more leeway for you to 
put food in your belly. If there's a group of three and there's tight quarters, you can rotate in and out and that third person can eat while the other two are fishing. I tell you, there's so many times people bring entire grocery bags of chips and pretzels and dips and salsas and sandwiches on the boat. And it just ends up getting cooked and it's inedible because it's 80 to 90 degrees out. And they never get, they don't even remember they've got the food in the boat because they're so concentrated on fishing. If I bring lunch for you, please be ready to eat it. Don't waste it. I went out may have spent an hour procuring those. I spent the money on it too. And if you're not going to eat it in an eight hour trip, it's probably going to be bad by the time we get home. Sure. I can eat the chips or Gatorade bottles afterwards. They're hermetically sealed and the chips don't go bad. But if it's some kind of roasted chicken salad or a fresh pasta dish, something that's not going to last in the heat and you decide not to eat it, and you maybe know beforehand you're not going to eat it, please be considerate and let me know. Have a valid fishing license for the jurisdiction we're fishing. It's either going to be Freshwater, Virginia, you need in-state or out-of-state, or Washington, D.C., in-state or out-of-state. We don't really need trout licenses unless we're specifically fishing one of the stocked streams around here. The licenses are fairly easy. Like I said, I just named the two. You can get those online. You can get your DC license now at the Anchor Store at the new Waterfront and at Fletcher's. I would say Fletcher's is probably the easiest place to get a DC license. You can just ride up there before we meet up, pay for it, and be out of there. And it's much easier than doing it through the DC website. Maybe listen to one of my podcasts. I put them out there for a reason so clients can take a listen to what they may expect from a fishing trip. You know, We just went to Manhattan. I did no research about the restaurants or the play we went to see. I wanted to be surprised. If you want to be surprised, go for it. But maybe you want to find out what shad are, where we're fishing, look on Google Maps where we're fishing. When I send the confirmation email, it's going to have a detailed Word document of screenshots, GPS coordinates, maps, license information, parking, attire, and what to expect. Please read through those also. But if you can listen to a podcast, and sometimes people will mention something from a podcast from seven or eight years ago that I completely forgot that happened. Some story from a trip or something, and then I got to scratch my head and be like, oh yeah, that's right, I did get bit by a bird that day out there. Just something strange like that. Look at maps of we're going on your smartphone. If we're going out of Chain Bridge, take a look on Google Earth. You'd be surprised how cool that Mather Gorge is on Google Earth. Listen to the podcast. I said that. Uh, look at the FAQ on my website. I also did a FAQ podcast. A lot of this is already explained in there of frequently asked questions. People ask the same thing over and over again, so I put it in words. And I either talk about it and record it, or it's out there for you to read. Let's see. Uh, What else? Blogs, posts. If you want to know when the shad fishing is really hot and you want to book a trip, just wait till my social media starts blowing up with shad fishing pictures. I'm getting emails daily and phone calls about booking trips for shad. I don't know when they're going to be in, so I can't book your trip now. We can tentatively put down a date, but I can't guarantee that that date is not going to be pouring rain with water at seven feet at Little Falls Gauge 
and a possible cold front coming in with lightning. So we're going to look for dates, and if those are good, we're going to put down a deposit, and we're going to fish those days. If not, we're going to reschedule, and I'll be hanging out here on a nasty day, probably cooking or entertaining my kid while she's having a play date. Don't have any surprises for me. Last year, I had a wife buy a four-hour gift certificate. No, two-hour gift, whatever it was. I can't remember. But it was for two people, and four people ended up showing up. I had four rods in my car, two for the clients and two for spares. By the end of the trip, we had one broken nine-foot-five weight. It was broken in half and three parts of a four-piece rod. And I was not prepared. One of the guys brought Bloody Marys with him. That's a no-no. So I was completely surprised. I didn't have the gear. I was a little flustered, a little frustrated. And then as we started breaking rods, one of the rods broke 15 minutes into the trip. And if I had a group of four, I probably would have had six or seven rods with me. Complete surprise. Don't bring extra people that I don't know about. Don't bring your dogs on the trip. I had some people bring a dog and I had... Some kind of husky hair in my boat for months. I don't know how your boat can, your dog can handle being in a boat. It's just extra stress on me. It might be stressful for your dog if it's hot out there. Yeah, I don't know how your dog's going to do. I don't want your dog swimming through the water where we're fishing. And if we're on shore, you can bring your dog and tie it up. I mean, my dog's a jerk. He'd be barking the whole time. I don't know what your dog's going to do. But just make sure you're not hooking it on the back cast. It's not getting tangled up in lines and hooks. That dog is your responsibility when we're out there, not my responsibility. And don't surprise me with a physical condition where you can't get down to the river. If it requires going over a log jam or standing on rocks all day, this information is usually either provided for the client with that map and document I send out ahead of time. But also when I have my online questionnaire, I ask if there are any physical limitations or things I need to know about that may restrict you from fishing where we are. Can you climb in and out of a boat? Not everybody can do that. I get people that have knee replacements and hip replacements. If you can't walk down staircases or walk three miles in a day, I need to know those things before we get out there. Your sunglasses. Yes, you need to have sunglasses. I don't care if they're polarized or not. They should be polarized. Just make sure you have something to keep a hook out of your eyes. I don't want to have to take off my sunglasses and give them to you and then hold my hand over my face fearing that I'm going to get hooked in the eye. I will carry some dodgy pairs of glasses in my car, but please always have glasses. I want you to have a shade-providing hat, and I also want you to have sunscreen. I provide sunscreen. I don't provide hats. You do not want to put on one of my hats. are pretty gross. I sweat in them. They're nasty think that's it for some of the things that I would like clients to think about before they show up on a trip. I hope you like the pre-podcast section with Mike from Canada. I apologize for the audio on that. He is sort of in the middle of nowhere. I will set up a blog post titled Canadian Fly Fishing Property for Sale or something. And it will be up in about day or two after we have this ready the property is absolutely stunning and i thank mike for getting me involved with it and whoever buys it you know invite my family up we'll go fishing hopefully this podcast didn't come off as a little like a jerk but people will show up to a fly fishing trip 
you'd be surprised with the tardiness, the things that they'll do, and just mess up an entire trip. Maybe just think about some of these things before you go out. So that's it. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv i'm will cooper host of hunt stands make your mark podcast if you haven't already download the free waypoint tv app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from hunt stand presents anywhere anytime and on any device Join Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration presented by Battery Tender every Tuesday and Sunday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy fishing and hunting content that will inspire you to get outside, but also to take action in preserving the land and water that allows us to do what we love most. Tuesdays and Sundays in June starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.